Welcome to Stonewall End Times Talk. We're a father-son duo discussing the end times, hoping that you will develop a faith as strong as Stonewall. Stonewall was a Confederate general, and he was well-known to just have this tremendous faith, and that's why he was never scared in battle. And we hope that everybody else can have a faith that strong. I'm the son, Stephen. And I'm the, I'm, I'm the papa. I'm Doug. He's my papa. Hey, uh, last week we discussed the church age and the church age is the 69th or in between the 69th and 70th week of Daniel. And it encompasses the time between Pentecost and the rapture, which is our topic for this week. So dad, what is the rapture? Well, the rapture is an event, event that where Jesus is going to, return to earth and he is going to call the church that you and me the believers in him he's going to call us up to meet him in the air and we will be there forevermore but that's what the rapture is we're waiting to be raptured when christ comes we'll we'll go to be with him okay so what does the word rapture mean well, it means to remove suddenly. All right, so we'll be removed, just gone. Yes, absolutely. Um, can you can you explain that? Like, what what's going to happen? Well, we're just going to disappear. Have you ever seen any movies that that featured uh, people doing time travel? Mm-hmm. And you're you're looking at some one of the main players or some. All of a sudden, they disappear. Yep. It's going to be like that. It's going to be like the rapture. We will be here one minute, and the next minute we won't be here. And oh. there is no warning when it takes place. Okay. So, like, I could be eating dinner at a restaurant, and then just poof. Yep. All right. Goodbye. And who qualifies for this? Like, just who, who's going to be taken? Uh, well, it, honestly, it has to be someone who really believes and trusts in the Lord. Okay. Uh, I can tell you this if you'll let me share this with you. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 20 and 21. Jesus said that many will come to him in that day, that judgment day, really. Mm -hmm. He said, many will come to me in that day, and they will be saying, Lord, Lord. But Jesus said, I will will tell those people to leave my presence because I don't know you. But then Mm -hmm. they correct him. They say, but Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name? Haven't we done wonderful works in your name? name haven't we that they focus on all they ever did for jesus and jesus will patiently listen to them and he he will tell them depart from me i never knew you Mm. that's the key about being taken in the rapture we have to know him all right so there's going to be just some people who who are saying hey i'm a christian and they're going to be left because God's going to say, I never knew you. Yes, and I'm, I'm sorry that uh, 
that there will be people like that, but they they do have a responsibility to believe the truth. Yeah. Hey, um, are there any examples of a rapture taking place in the Bible? Uh, there's a few. Uh, there's one guy by the name of Enoch. The Bible says that he walked with God. Suddenly, Enoch was not because God took him. Now, that's hmm. a very short explanation on Enoch. But it doesn't matter. Enoch trusted the Lord. How, how many how, how big a sentence do you need to understand that Enoch walked with God? I, I, I've heard preachers preach on it, and they say that Enoch walked with God daily. I think mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Enoch walked with God. He said, because one day, well, you want to hear the cute explanation? <laughs> sure. There's one, this one pastor talking about Enoch and walking with God. He said that Enoch would walk with God. And then it looks like the day was going to be spent. So Enoch went back home. And then the next day, Enoch walked with God. And same thing. He was, it's going to be dark soon. So Enoch went back home. Well, this repeated several times. And each time Enoch was kind of going out farther and farther with the Lord. But one day, Enoch said, I'm going to go back home. And then the Lord said, well, Enoch, uh, why don't you come back to my house? It's closer. Hmm. You can spend the day here. Hmm. Guess what? Enoch is still spending the day there because there is no night. Yeah. That would be and, nice. Yes, Enoch. I, I like the story of Enoch, I do. And, well, I like them all. <laughs> I like them all. Uh, Noah. Okay. Noah's one. And pretty much everybody knows the story of Noah. Yes. And I don't even know if they know the reason why Noah built the ark, but that, that was to save his whole family from being destroyed in the flood. That's all. Mm -hmm. God said, hey, I'm going to flood the earth. Build this ark. Yes. And then there was, well, you asked me, were there examples? Hey, that was one. Then Lot was an, was an example. The, the angels went into that city and told Lot there was going to be uh, judgment befalling that city. God is going to destroy it. And everybody has to leave. They didn't leave. But mm -hmm. the account says that the angels told Lot, you have to leave that they can't do anything while he was there. And then the Bible says they grabbed him by the hand and they drug Lot and his family out by the hand. I, always, I find that interesting that he had to, he literally had to grab him and drag him out of there. And he knew it was going to be destroyed. But, eh. Yes. People. But you know what? If there's hope for Lot, there's hope for me and you. Yeah. And I, I, do, I don't think I have to be coaxed into believing what the Lord says, but uh, who knows? That's what, I'm not yeah. there yet. You know, we like to think that. And then, you know, then you get faced with that challenge. I guess we'll see when we're in the challenging position, won't we? Uh, you bet. And uh, stuff we've learned today, there's going to be real challenges coming. Yeah. That's why we're doing this podcast, by the way. We're not doing this to tell pretty stories. Uh, yeah. We're doing this because we actually 
have a heart for people if they don't realize the time frame they're living in. At least we want to explain to them there right. is a time frame they need to pay attention to. Yeah, we are in the end times. We're witnessing it happen. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, two more. Elijah, he was taken up in the fiery chariot. And um, there's Paul. Paul. Paul was caught up into the third heaven. Mm. And the word says that uh, the word he used was harpato, to catch away, remove. Mm. Same word. Same word as rapture. Okay. Um, And what scriptures in the Bible do we have that show that there's going to be a rapture? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 is one. Okay. Um, and you want me to read that? Uh, yes. Okay. This is a New King, New King James Version. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so... God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus... We shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That's a great passage. Oh, it's an awesome passage. It tells you the whole story. That okay. Paul just talked about, he didn't want, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. He was talking to the Thessalonians back then, but guess what? Mm-hmm. The same passage of scripture is out here today, and he's talking to us. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. And it says, concerning those who have fallen asleep, well, that's another way of saying, concerning those who have died. Okay. And, of course, there are people in sorrow when they have a loved one die. And Paul says, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And we don't have to sorrow. It mm-hmm. erases the fear of death. And it says that uh, that if we, and Paul was talking to those people, they believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's paramount of being part of the rapture. You believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So Paul says, you must, you must believe that Jesus died and rose again. And um, when he says he will bring those with him who have died, mm-hmm. you, he's talking about people that uh, in the 15th century has died trusting in Jesus. All of these people, when Paul is speaking of them, when when the Lord comes back, speaking of the Lord, and I think this has to do with the second coming itself. But those people, Paul 
is going to bring amazing. Not Paul. Excuse <laughs> me, Stephen. The Lord himself is going to bring all those people with him when he finally comes back to earth. Uh, that's that's exciting because when it says there that when, we ca- when we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air, we'll always be with him. Mm-hmm. Well, when Jesus returns, we'll, we'll be, be with, with him. him. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And uh, now think about it. didn't say this earlier, but uh, Jude, the book of Jude. Jude said, behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands and thousands and ten thousands and thousands of his saints. Mm. That's Jude talking about the number of people that's going to be coming back with the Lord when he cometh. Now, that that is the uh, second coming. I don't not to be confused with the rapture, but they have to be caught up to come back with. Okay, that's you're talking about returning for the millennial kingdom, right? Um, yes, okay, exactly. And to set up, but there's even before the millennial kingdom is set up, there's still a little space of some time they got to spend here, but that's another story, right? Okay, so the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of Archangel is going to pull up the dead first, we're going to meet them all up in the clouds, and that's when we're going to be given our head, heavenly bodies, right? Yeah, we'll receive our heavenly bodies at them. Says that Paul said that we will not all sleep; we all shall be changed. And that's that's First Corinthians chapter fifteen. And that's when uh, our this mortal is going to be taking on an immortality. Right. In other words, our body will never break down anymore. Can't wait. Uh, me neither, and I always hear, I always hear pastors joke about it and say, "Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna be able to eat too." He <laughs> says, and "I'm looking for those heavenly mashed potatoes." Well, I have not too. mashed potatoes for me, my friend. I wonder if we, uh, you know, we have the um, we have we are gluttonous, like we can overeat, so we can just become like. <laughs> I never I wonder, thought about it. I never I, thought I about. I don't know if it's going to be like that in heaven where we, if you can consume too much, I don't know. Maybe our bodies are going to just be so nice. They'll just like process everything. Yeah. Uh, who knows? And I think, I think we'll have a little more wisdom than we do now and probably won't overeat like that. All right. And so, all right. So we're to comfort one another with those words. So yeah. the rapture is actually a comfort. It, it is. And if people don't recognize that the rapture is something they should look forward to because and, I, 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 it's comforting me, to me also I, as we head into the last days, and we should talk a little bit about what's going on really mm-hmm. okay um, I see right now uh, Chuck Smith and all them he hammered uh, a lot on what credit cards are leading up to he said, there's going to come a time where we we won't be able to buy and sell without one of these cards. And that was in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's conditioning us to, the credit cards was conditioning us to get used to, sound familiar? Get yes. used to doing things without cash. Well, I think we're headed for that. The beast banking system. Oh, it's here. 
It is definitely here. And the, uh, what is that beast banking system? Well, I have so personally, this this is a personal uh, opinion here. I'm not not 100 certain on this, but the Bitcoin is probably going to be the currency of the future, in my opinion. And I also believe that it's kind of a Trojan horse. So you introduce this type of this concept of money that is a digital currency trackable through uh, the blockchain. You can tie it to people and you can, right now, you can, it's used for privacy where you can't track the people for buying, but it can also be reversed and used against you too, to where every transaction you make is tied to your blockchain. You can be tracked, which, um, and if you get people, the majority of people comfortable with using a system like that, you basically, what if you want to implement a system without the people knowing they're building the system for you, you just have the people build the system that you want. You dump out this this basic structure, and then the people will build it out for you, and then you can use it to however you want. Now, in in 2014, uh, 20, 2024, the Federal Reserve is rolling out their own program called Fed Now, and it is. Oh, I never program. heard of that. Yes, twenty twenty four, the Federal Reserve is rolling out a program called Fed Now, which is their own cryptocurrency, and we've been seeing these new ATMs that are coming out and they're showing up in various places and they are crypto ATMs and you your verifications they have scanners on those ATMs where you it's not certain what the what you're scanning now but it's quite obvious they're really pushing for these vaccine passports so you know you can scan your passport on there you just use your phone scan it you can get your money now the bad part about that is if you're using a currency that's traceable, that's identified as you, know, you, and if you go against the state, and then they can just deduct your, they, they're plan, also planning on implementing the social credit score. So if your social credit score isn't good, they'll just lower your credit score and now you can't, you can't buy and sell. So they, all, this, all of the functionality and everything is all there. It's all in place. Um, so, yeah, it's it's here. Yes, it is. And most, you know, and what's really sad is that those that listen to this podcast, uh, we pray they will take into account how serious this thing is. That the bottom line is we need to accept Christ is our Lord and Savior. Yeah. And what that constitutes. And we can talk about that uh, uh, a little later, but we will. Yeah. And if you want, if you want more, there's also the rumors of wars. China is the tensions are escalating between China and Australia, China and Taiwan. There's escalations between Russia and the Ukraine. There's just, Wars and rumors and wars everywhere, all over. We're escalating with China. We're just, the whole entire world is going crazy. Christian pastors are being arrested for preaching now in, in Canada. Um, this COVID, they're just using COVID to implement everything. So 
It's here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at me. I'm speechless. You're right. Uh, it is here. It's here. Uh, here's what I I want to talk about the Antichrist for a second. I was this happened. This has happened to me a number of times. I'll be reading the scriptures, and suddenly, what I'm reading has been a puzzle to me. And suddenly, as I'm reading the scripture, it opens up. Like uh, the reason why I support Israel was I, I asked this question to a lot of people: What is spiritual Israel? And nobody could tell me. And I really want to know what spiritual Israel was because if I'm missing out on something, I want it. Well, mm -hmm. I was reading my scriptures. Uh, I don't even know when, and I know in my heart the Bible has never called. As a Gentile believer, I, I have never heard us referred to as the brother of Jesus. I, Jesus is not my brother. He's my savior. Mm -hmm. And so I was going on the strength of that. And I was reading the scriptures where it says, I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was in jail. You didn't visit me. The, this whole passage there. Mm -hmm. I was reading that and suddenly it came to me, Stephen. It, the church, a massive part of the church believed that that particular moment in time, they believed, they believed that it's a church that mm -hmm. didn't feed Christ and so on. But when I read this, I read this passage again. It was almost, uh, it, it's just putting it in so clear a focus that it just blew my mind that mm. Jesus is not talking to the church there. He's talking to Israel. Mm. Mm -hmm. and those that did not treat Israel right, well, Jesus said, you've done it to least of these, my brethren. That's another thing. I was not Jesus' brother, but yeah. you have done it unto me. Well, that's one. That's one area where I things have hmm. just changed for me. Reading. Okay. Um, I think I think we're getting a little bit sidetracked. Let's. Okay. Let's come yeah, back. that's right. We should um, come back. Get back in line. Um, uh, are there any other scriptures besides First uh, Thessalonians four thirteen to eighteen? Uh, Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. Okay. That is one. And that's, uh, um, what's that one? Well, it says, it says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, our gathering together to him, that would be the rapture. Hmm. Um, we ask you not to, to be so soon shaken in your mind or troubled by spirit or by letter, as though the day of Christ had come, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And then the man of sin is revealed, son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or is worship. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Don't you remember when I 
was still with you. I told you these things. That's what Paul said to the Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul says, and now you know what is restraining. But uh, speaking of that restrainer, he will be revealed in his own time. And I think we are so, uh, wow, we're uh, upon that. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, I really believe that he'll be revealed any second. Well, here, can I let me share my thought with you on that? Um, you know what uh, socialism is and what communism is? Yes. Did you know that in every communistic society, they always end up with a dictator? Mm-hmm. They're trying, let's look back in history. There's Genghis Khan, there's Napoleon. Um, there, there's so there's so many uh, dictators that this road has raised up and within a country and taking it over. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Hitler, Pol Pot, and and but guess what? When you read First Thessalonians, no, excuse me, Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse one says that the man of sin will be revealed. Well, you know what? I was looking and knowing what's happening in our society, that socialism is being permeated, and our own kids are being indoctrinated with this stuff. Yep. So what's the bottom line? If it keeps going, there's going to be, because it is a socialistic society, they're going to end up with a dictator. Well, it's a, it's a global socialism that's being pushed. And they're going to end up with this dictator. And that's going to be the Antichrist, right? And that's right. And I was reading that uh, oh, some time ago. And when I realized that, I went, oh, my gosh. It is mm. so clear. It's right in front of my face. Yeah. This, it's coming so quick. And listen to this, Stephen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who is behind the scene right now? calling the shots who is deciding which statue to get taken down which american institution uh are they going to go after next in uh, well, our super- in 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 america uh, i would well it's the people who have the money well yeah but there's going to be a dude come along that's going to take charge of all that hmm mm-hmm and that's who's calling the shots. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely global. I mean, every single country in the world followed suit, except for Sweden, of course. But every country, it's nuts. Yeah. Okay. Are there any other scriptures you, you want to go over that um, reveal the scripture? Okay, uh, reveal the rapture. All right. Um, has God communicated the rapture in any other way? Such as like through patterns? Uh, well, one big one that most people don't uh, think about is that the Jewish wedding is something that we need to pay attention to because Jesus is Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. He told the disciples that he was going to go away and prepare a place for well, he was indicating for his disciples and because we have the scriptures here and anyone who reads the scriptures that he is coming back for us. Now, the thing outside of the Bible that talks about 
about something like that is the Jewish wedding. Okay. The Jewish wedding, the bridegroom will tell his his uh, bride uh, he's coming back. Though when he, uh, like Jesus did, he told the disciples that in his father's house, he's going away to prepare a place in the Jewish wedding. The young bridegroom does the same thing. After he makes contact with his bride, asks her to be his bride, they sign a contract. I know there's names for all of these, but they sign a wedding contract. And then just before they accept this contract as being the contract, mm -hmm. pretty much right now, if something were to happen, she is married because they both signed this contract. They are married, but there's a chance for her to get out of it. She doesn't want it. So they they uh, will break out the manuscript hmm. and they will have a glass of wine over this contract that the bridegroom has presented to his bride. And if there's anybody in the room there and witnessing this, they all get a glass. And okay. if they're all agreeing on it, they're going to drink on that, make a drink. But if the bride doesn't drink, there won't be a wedding. So all right, the, the groom just has to go home. Nothing. Yeah. So the brew, well, after they, after everybody drinks from it, and the bride drinks from it, then the groom suddenly pops up and says, I'm going to go before you right now, and I'm going to build, in my father's house, I'm going to build a place for you, and I'll come back later, and I will get, I will get you uh, or bring you unto myself. Now, the customary, when the, the bridegroom does leave his, the presence of his bride, there's a special name that I don't remember but he's going to return and it's usually a period of 12 months okay a year so he will come back hopefully he's a good builder and <laughs> he's got the <laughs> place prepared for if not it's going to take longer but he will come and get his bride but upon returning everybody is aware that the groom is going to show up now but they just don't know when, right? They just don't know when, but they're all ready. Well, when the when the groom does show up, everybody has a lamp. I, I guess they go down to the market and buy one. I don't know. But they also have to have some oil because they're going to go after the, the bride. And they're going to, uh, they will... They will uh, abduct this bride in the in the fashion. When the way that happens is that when the bridegroom does come, he'll show up, but he hasn't yet made contact with his bride. So what's going to happen is that he's already told the people that he's back. They understand, but then the brides or the bride, the bride doesn't know yet and then though in the wedding within the wedding party the men they'll just find out where the where the bride is usually they go to the bride's house and, and they they just walk into her house and they just abduct her they harpazzo yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> right they do and they and they take this young lady 
And whether she is ready or not ready, she's going. And they throw her in the, well, Zola Levitt said he witnessed that one time. I do have to share that with you. He said he okay. was inside a candy shop. And he says there was, he didn't notice it, but there was young girls shopping in there to begin with. He was busy, you know, getting his own stuff. And all of a sudden, a limousine pulled up outside the candy shop. And all of these people got out of the limousine. And Zola said it was a sight to behold. They, they all walked up to this young lady and they picked her up. Hmm. And they just marched her outside the uh, candy shop and threw, it, threw her in the limousine and they got in and tore out. Nice. And Zola Levis said, I got to see a rapture. <laughs> and he said it was a sight to behold. I bet. I but bet. That young lady was going to her marriage. And that's that's representative of the rapture. We're going to be snatched up and meet Jesus in the clouds, given our new bodies. Yes. And we're going to the marriage supper. Yes, we are. All right. And that marriage supper is going to last for seven years, and that's during the tribulation time, and then we come back for the millennial kingdom. That's right. All right. Absolutely. Now, I, Stephen, yeah? I'd like to share this with you. I've shared this with a few people. Now everybody in the world is going to hear about it. <laughs> okay. When I was a kid, I used to have some vivid dreams, and my grandmother was sometime would be one of the reasons why I would have vivid dreams. She actually scared me half to death because she did not have a theological way to speak to a kid, her grandkid. And she would tell us that the end of the world is coming. Okay. And uh, that's a heavy sermon to deliver to a, a six-year-old, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, I... I I would have some dream. I've had some pretty heavy duty dreams, but this dream that I had, it's scriptural. I was sitting at a table. I remember I, uh, in my dream, I walked up to this table. It was a long, it was not, it was not a round table. It was an oblong table. Okay. And I was sitting down at that table. As I turned around and looked, and I saw there was people standing up. And, as, and I turned around and looked at the place where I was at, and I realized I'm in a setting I've never been to before. And right behind uh, this one, I don't understand. But part of my dream was that there was a forest behind, behind this table, and I was sitting right there at the table, the trees were on fire. Interesting. Okay. And I, I woke up dreaming this dream, but I never forgot it. But now that I've read Revelation chapter 19, I've got a picture in my mind of what the marriage supper of the Lamb is like. Now, I'm going to tell you, my grandmother did not tell me about the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
I dreamt that without any help whatsoever. I believe I got a glimpse of what's going to take place in the future. Okay. I will what, be at that. I will be at that marriage supper of the land. Okay. What, what's up? What do you think the uh, the burning forest is? Well, I've thought about that and thought about that. I really don't know. I sure wish that. I sure wish we knew Daniel. I know, boy. <laughs> I've asked the Lord to reveal the what what it is. I haven't got a. Maybe it's because you live in California and there's just fires all the time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Uh, uh, okay, so um, let's, let's move on to the next question. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, does the Bible have prophecies that point when the rapture is getting close? Um, only in the form of signs, because there is nothing got to take place for the, for the rapture to happen. Okay. We've already been given the signs in scripture and there's nothing more than that. So we should we should read um like Jesus word in Matthew 24 and and we should read Revelation and we should be able to see all right the time is now like we're everything is here everything's in place. Yes. Okay. And there's not much more to add to that. All right. Okay. Um, now there are five prevailing theories of the rapture. Here we have the partial, the pre-wrath, pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. Can you describe them? That's right. There. Yeah. Well, I would call it the five views of the rapture. Oh, but yeah, five views, not theories, because the rapture is going to happen. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Well, the first first of those five is one called the partial rapture. And uh, I heard Zola Levitt say something about the partial rapture. He says that the faithful believers go in the rapture. And the reason why they go in the rapture, they're being rewarded for being faithful. So Zola made a little joke. He says, but you know, I haven't met any of those yet. <laughs> the meaning, uh, you know, we may think we're faithful, but we're probably, probably in the face of the real judge, we'll find out. Sure. But that is a partial rapture. Okay. Some of us will go and some of us will not go. I personally do not hold to the partial rapture. Uh, yeah, it seems like you have to seems like you're telling people you can earn yeah like, yeah earn really you, it is absolutely okay that was uh, that was number one now the second one of those five views is a mid-trib view of the rapture okay that occurs in the three and a half years midway in the trip and uh I have a problem with I have a problem with that because it takes away the imminency of the rapture. Because if you realize all that the tribulation is beginning and we see the Antichrist and we see this and all that, then we can tell you if he if Christ is gonna uh, rapture us in mid-trib, 
we can so just you... follow the signs all the way through and we won't be surprised whatsoever right it would be at 1260 days in right when the uh, exactly like the uh um those the two the two prophets who are supposed to be at the wailing wall they're like they would once they're reviewed you just count down 1260 days and bam rapture <laughs> that's i don't think that's gonna happen uh, i certainly don't and then there's the pre-wrath view that okay. the church will be removed just before the Lord God Almighty wrath is released from heaven. Okay. Uh, sorry, it isn't going to happen that way. Uh, it's a pre-wrath before God really pours out his, his judgment. He's going to rapture the church. Mm -hmm. No. That's what I call a just-in-time gospel. Hmm. So I'm going to see number four of that is I'm going to talk about the postscript. The postscript okay. view is that a church is going to go into the tribulation. The church is going to be abused. People are going to be beheaded. Uh, what else is going to take place? In the what are we going to suffer God's wrath? Yeah, all of that. All but of the, guess what? the we get judgments to... and the seals and all that? Yes. So that is the bride of Christ being abused <laughs> <laughs> through the whole tribulation. And then Jesus Christ comes back and he takes his church up into the sky uh, after getting literally beat to death. <laughs> yeah. And then he's return they're returning back to earth almost immediately. And he goes, whoops. And comes back right yeah exactly um and right. you know some of the some of the uh views on that is the reason why the the church will go through the tribulation is because uh there's a verse that says that we will suffer persecution right so we got to be here to suffer persecution so we will not leave until we've been persecuted which is which is strange because God doesn't persecute us. I know so. he doesn't know that. And you know the the one one guy who probably never heard of him. I have a book back here by him. He was a real scholar, Stephen, real scholar. He knew his Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff. So fantastic. But he was a he was a post trevor Okay, and that was. That was one of his big things, that the church is supposed to suffer persecution. And also, also know that there's other reasons, but I can't, uh, for the life of me, I can't remember which one. But he's wrong. There is not a post-tribulational view of the rapture. But yeah. then there's number five, the last one, the pre-trib view, which uh, I... This is, what, this is what we both did. Yes, believe. we both believe that before the church goes into the tribulation, we won't go into the tribulation mm -hmm. because we are promised that we are not children of wrath. And that's what God is doing is pouring his wrath out in the tribulation. So mm -hmm. we shall be 
caught up in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air before the tribulation begins. Okay. All right. Um, can I just say something really quick? I just want I just want to say that no matter what people's views are on this, I don't think that this is will affect salvation and all. No. And so yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think that this should be a divisive type of like a, a divisive topic. I mean, it's good to have healthy discussions, but it shouldn't be discussed in a manner like between a post-trib and a pre-trib believer as such that it would cause a division. It should be like when we're discussing these things, we should not look at, I, I try to present it in a way to where you're, where it's not condescending toward each other and you're know, just really discussing the ideas and really looking for the truth of this, this really shouldn't be something that divides us. It really should be a, quite honest. I mean, this is like having these debate forums. These guys, you have socialists arguing uh, with with capitalists, and and they get along just fine. And it should be, it should really be in that light where we're just trying to understand things better instead of trying to divide between stuff. That that's a thin line. Yeah, and these because these topics get really people get really emotional about about the pre-trib and the post-trib and it just really i just think that we as christians we need to step back and and really try to present this in a way where it's not divisive we can we can have these discussions and um and it's really healthy in my opinion to have these discussions but we really have to yeah when it's done right it is healthy because I've made up my mind that if I'm in error, the scripture is going to show me where I'm wrong. And if mm-hmm. I'm wrong, my theology will change. Yeah. And I'm yep. not out to change anyone else's theology. Yeah, we can't let our our egos get in the way. Right. And I, I, I would want, if anything, I would want someone uh, who thinks they have all the answers to do what uh, your mom and I talk about sometimes. We examine ourselves and make sure we're in the faith. Hmm. And that's what- the of the world. Yes, we should should be willing to be a Berean, to check out these things, to see if they be so. Uh, I've met people who really in a false religion but they, they have their minds made up that this religion is it. That's yeah. just what God has put out there for us. You know, my heart goes out for him. Because well, you know, on the, on the flip side, I'm, I'm that way. I have, I have Muslim friends at work, and I'm, I'm the same way. There's nothing they can tell me that will change my mind. So I, I kind of understand. I, I feel the same way. I, um, so... I can understand why they dig in, but I just, I think all you can do, at least for me, all I could do is just pray for them and hope that God will work on them. Well, I've never witnessed to a Muslim before. And Hmm. I'm sure it would be hard because. Well, you know, interestingly, Muslims like Jesus. So, interesting. Uh, Wait a minute, Muslims what? They like Jesus. 
Yeah, that makes it even tri- twice as hard because when you're, yes, because when you are witnessing to somebody and they say, oh, I believe that. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's like, it's, I mean, I, the only thing really you can do, at least that I've seen, is you can just pray about it. So, Stephen, there was a guy I used to work with. Uh, I just loved this guy dearly. He was one of a kind. He uh, he was he was a Mormon, mm-hmm. and he found out that I was a born believer, and he wanted to discuss scripture. And I I mean I'm not opposed to the, discussing scripture. He he gave me a lot of reasons why he was a Mormon and stuff. The last thing I remember talking to him about was the spirit prison that the Mormons believe in and cause, cause you can find it in, in the scripture. Okay. And I explained to him that day, it's, it's nothing more than purgatory. That's what this, that that's what this, uh, script prism is that you're talking about. I think in Jude, you, it talks about, uh, angels falling out of their state and they, go to the abyss and they're in chains stuff. Do okay. you know what I'm referring to? No. Well, it's in the book of Jude. Okay. All right. I guess I will reread Jude. Well, anyway, as I was uh, discussing this with God's name with Don, he, he is one character. He's gone on to be as the Lord now. Uh, okay. But he was actually genuine. He told me that if he saw that he was wrong, he'll change. Well, I went to work one day, and you, I saw him change. His oh, wow. hair, uh, when it, he, he was a hippie at one time. So his hair was long, right down to his shoulder. Okay. And when he went to work, he would pin it up and put it under the hat and stuff. Just he's just uh, a, one heck of a guy. I really miss him. Huh, okay. I used to work with him at Shakey's Pizza Parlor too. So huh. I worked with him for quite a few years. But I went to work one day, and walking down the corridor was Don. I stopped, and I looked at Don. I just stared at him, and he said, uh, "Do I look different?" I said, "Yeah, Don." You have no hair. <laughs> he said, well, I'll tell you why. And I said, why? He said, I saw I was wrong. Where? And he, and he cut off his hair because of it? Yes. That's what I asked him. Well, okay, you, you saw that, uh, that the Mormons was leading you astray. And I said, I, I praise God that you learned this. But why are you cutting your hair? He says, it's easy. He says, that's my old life back there. Mm. I don't want to be associated with my old life. He says, I'm no longer a hippie. Interesting. See, I didn't even know. I, I, I don't really know too much about Mormonism, but I just, I'd never seen a Mormon hippie. So. <laughs> well, if you had known Don, you would have known him. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So let's get back. Uh, we got one more question. Okay. And why isn't the word rapture in our Bible? 
Well, it's because it, it is a the words catching away and all that is Greek. And also, uh, well, we'll just use that one right there. We don't need any more. The reason the rapture is not, you, is not the word is in the Bible is because it is in a different Bible. It'd be the Latin Bible. Okay, so it is in the Bible. It's just not in ours. It's not in the English translation. It's in mm. the Latin translation. And if you read it, you will, you will see. The, yeah. They use the word rapture or rapturo. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I, I understand this, that the rapture, after studying it, it can be a noun, you check it out, or, or it can be a verb. And the part about where it's catching the saints up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, the rapture is used as a verb. Okay. Because it's an action word. Mm -hmm. Remember what a verb it describes. Uh, it's an action word. Mm -hmm. But as, if it's used as a noun, it's talking about the event. Then it's just talking about something that's going to take place. Like if you went to a ball game. And you talk about the ball game, then you would use words that would you realize that you're looking at a ball game. Well, so the rapture is the same way. Mm -hmm. It can be a verb or it can be a noun, depending on the context where it's being used. Okay. And uh, we, in our view, the rapture is going to be happening really soon. Like any time it's going to happen. Yeah, and, and there is no time to waste. We need Jesus to save us. Oh, yeah. And if you want to be raptured, then Jesus needs to save you. So, Dad, please explain. So, Jesus made it super simple. If you want to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven, he's made it super simple. If you want to be raptured before God's wrath, he's made it super simple. Can you explain it? I sure can, because it's... Is contained in the ABCs of salvation. And uh, J.D. Farag has explained it a few, uh, several times. And I've seen the ABs of salvation for some other pastor somewhere. But, but basically, the ABCs of salvation is that you got to, the A part of the ABCs is you have to acknowledge that you're a sin, sinner. Mm -hmm. You have to face facts. You've sinned and you deserve the rewards of, of your of being a sinner. The Bible is, says that the wages of sin is death. Mm. So you want to you want to you want to understand that you are a person that has committed something that you deserve death. Actually, as a sinner, you're already dead. And Lord is not going to leave that, not going to leave that the way it is. It's because the B, the ABC of salvation, B is to believe. You believe in Jesus. And what I mean by that is that in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, that thou shalt believe in thine heart, the Lord Jesus, that God has raised him from the dead. 
with your mouth confession is made unto salvation and with your heart you believe unto righteousness so if you trust jesus and believe in your heart that you are a sinner that jesus died for your sins then you're going to live with him and then of course confession is you you can't just sit there and believe it you have to actually confess it and you don't want you, your lifestyle should confess the whole thing but that's what the ABCs of salvation is. And Admit, I think it. Believe, confess. Yeah, the, exactly. Uh, anything else? <laughs> no, um, but it's really that simple. Just admit, believe, and confess. And uh, well, next, next episode, we're going to be going over the tribulation period, or at least we'll begin the discussion on the tribulation period. Um, and we hope you all enjoyed this and that you'll come back next time. So, bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>